Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome to Buy or Sell What the Hell with Jason Jenkins, Alex Z, and D. JJ began his career at Charles Schwab as a trader in the equity and options markets before moving to the sell side to trade fixed income at V Finance, JBB Financial, and CG Capital. With over a decade of experience in trading U.S. Treasuries and building out institutional analysis, he covered all the primary dealers, large buy-side money managers, and hedge funds. And now, he's applying his expertise to the cryptocurrency markets. Do you buy or do you sell? Welcome back to another show, another episode. I'm your host, Jason. Got Dimitri D here, Alex Z as usual. Dimitri, you know, D, D, Dimitri, your last name doesn't start with a D. <laughs> it does not. Just in case you forgot over the Easter weekend. How you guys doing? A little slow Monday today, uh, long holiday weekend, but trading's kind of slow. What were you guys up to? Uh, this weekend, I got a little sick, actually, and I'm just now recovering. Uh, it was a nice, relaxing Easter weekend. Helped my niece find some eggs. Oh, and um, tried to get some rest because I got a little sick. Got the T-virus from my niece. Oof. So I'm trying to rest up. Yeah. It's a nice weekend over here. It's beautiful. 80-degree weather. Uh, I spent, spent most of it outside. So. Georgia. Yeah. You're hiking around out. Oh, yeah. Nice, man. Beautiful up here. Yeah, it's... Same here. I'm playing some golf later. So I guess we'll keep the show kind of short and sweet. Trading's just been really slow. I mean, we look at just global macro markets, um, but specifically the crypto markets. Just the amount of energy, this is this is probably the slowest I've I've ever experienced it. Um and so technically we're still pretty patient. There's it's you know, I'd like to make it more exciting with 10 different names that we want to jump on and be aggressive. It's just not that market. So we're, we're still playing it Bitcoin on the short side on the near term. We've been playing it an intermediate term hedge as well. So we have a, you know, our, our model is multi, uh, multi-durational model. So we can be long, longer term, and then you can be intermediate term hedge. And obviously there's a near term picture where we day trade around, but both the near and short, near term and intermediate term. Um, I've been playing it on the short side here this morning and over the weekend. So that really hasn't changed since last week. You know, if we do test 6,000, I think that's a good spot to add to some of your longs that you like longer term. But that's that's kind of where we're at. I mean, it's April 2nd, monthly closes always matter. So we'll kind of, I'll do some work on where we closed out in March. Um, but there's some big levels that, you know, I was just doing on some analysis for our team. And then I'll, Alec, I'll let you kind of talk about the distributed post a little bit. But I think it's important that BTC, when we talk about the majors, 58.73 was a big level. That's the intra-week intra lows from February. Um, that still is held. Ethereum broke it. So I call that electing the level. The, the weekly reversal that was at 465 
And then Litecoin's still holding it at 100 or par. So that's the weekly reversal. So we've got the market testing some really big weekly levels. Um, 148 on Monero, 48 on Neo. But I still have everything on the intermediate term is bearish. When I run these pivots from Ether, Litecoin, Bitcoin, Cash, Monero, Neo, Ripple, Cardano, Salt, Dash, all all in the red. So we're still in this intermediate term wet Kleenex type of trading. Trade uh, accordingly. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Anyway, not a whole lot of level updates. We wanted to talk, Alec. I'll let you talk about the distributed post. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we get too in depth here. Yeah. And yeah. By the way, guys, we recently launched an online publication called the Distributed Post. So you can go to the thedistributedpost.com to view all original articles. Uh, we just kind of started up, and we're still looking for contributors too. So if you like to write anything really related to blockchain news, technical analysis opinion op-eds or even you know some market analysis just send an email at contact the distributed post.com uh we'll post a link in the podcast description like always but uh you can also search for it on twitter with the handle at distributed post if you want to keep up to date easy but uh no it's been fun launching that i think you're going to start writing some analysis on there people should expect to see right jason yeah you know it's probably kind of more of our my written, I guess, uh, uh, mouthpiece. Can you have a can you have a mouthpiece for writing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Podcasts we like to talk. Obviously, I shoot a lot of video, but I, I do want to write some more. Writing always takes a little bit longer, but you can really do a lot of teaching and make some points. And um, there's some things on the visual side from our analysis that will be posted there. But I mean, you guys. Yeah, I've I've been really impressed with all the other. We've had some some people write some really great articles, and so the whole goal is just to collaborate and bring so much of the information is kind of scattered across the web. So it's it's always nice if you have a a place that you kind of trust that you can go to and get up to speed mm-hmm. without having to, I guess, check a million different spots. Yeah. What are your thoughts, D? I think it looks great. I like um, just the diversity of articles that we're kind of offering up there. I especially am looking forward to like the legal the legal tab getting built out because uh, we're approaching that time in like the natural mm-hmm. evolution of this industry where people are scrambling for legal guidance and maybe legal tips or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got Phil and his team uh, writing some good articles to kind of help out there. So, yeah. Yeah, we're excited about it. Please come join the collaborative process and uh, bring your best writing skills. Yeah. And, and Alec and I will be working as an editor. So if it's not your best writing skills, uh, we will. it'll never hit the post. Guarantee yeah, at least, that. Uh, at least give it a follow <laughs> if you want to keep up to date. So, yeah. Well, we I know other than the distributed post... Alec, you, you wanted to talk about decentralized exchanges too today. Yeah, I mean, we can tie it into the distributed post because I wrote an article on the distributed post recently about decentralized exchanges. So, uh, I mean, as traders, decentralized exchanges are 
pretty important for a few different reasons. I mean, when you start looking at, you know, trusting an institution with your money, I mean, any layer of centralization puts your funds at risk as a trader. So being risk adverse is something that I know, Jason, you preach all the time. Any way to be, you know, proper risk management, risk adversity. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's kind of an interesting, I don't know if debate's the right word, but we've kind of come to this crossroads where, you know, I've seen some of these these professional brokers in the space that are that have all come out, some of them on the Forex side, some of them are futures brokers for the most part. But they're starting to add Bitcoin and some of the – I've only seen a few um, brokers that are – I guess they're not even on the independent side, but anyway, there's, there's some of these shops that are trying to offer like CFDs, um, which is a, which is kind of a derivative contract off of a Forex product or a commodities product. But anyway, so some of these folk, uh, these Forex brokers or futures brokers where you could trade the Euro versus the dollar, dollar yen, you could trade gold. Well, now they want to offer CFDs on, on Bitcoin or just outright trading what we call the cash market, which is, which is how most of the crypto community knows. You know, you buy BTC at Coinbase and you put it in your wallet. But the point is, is that kind of the old wall, they're saying, hey, you know, now you can trade with a trusted broker um, and no longer do you have to keep, you know, these coins at an, at an exchange that's not regulated and you don't need to worry about keeping them on your computer. It's like, so they're already posturing to say that trust, trust the broker, we're regulated, you know, we've got the capital. And so it's going to cause, I think, this this debate which is which is better do you want to trust yourself and your own your own security protocols with your ledger nano mm -hmm. or do you want to trust a firm that says they're regulated which they might be and maybe they do have capital but you never know because you can look at a firm like mf global they were one of the biggest futures firms trading firms uh and there you had coristine absolutely you know uh, making a mess of the repo markets and blowing up and trading Greek bonds and bankrupted his firm. Nobody knows until you, one day you wake up and there's no money in your account. So yeah. it's a debate. I mean, I, but I think the future with the technology and the blockchain is you're not going to have the Corstein guys of the world um, backslapping with the politicians and doing whatever they want and not knowing there's going to be accountability of the blockchains. You either have the funds or you don't, you're, you're not, you're not trading, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And that's, what's great about the technology is that, Hey, do you have the funds? Yes or no. It's on the blockchain. Okay. Then, then anybody else that wants to trade with that firm, not only do they have, to, because before we used to have to call and like, you'd have to have compliance people. And then you never really knew when a firm was in trouble or the market was really getting, clobbered like who has what positions who has what risk who has what derivatives you never know and so there's a, always a risk that you traded you know if i bought 100 million bonds from bear stearns and then next week later i don't know if they're going to be able to deliver the bonds i'm screwed like I, my firm's at risk now mm -hmm. yeah so with the what's great about the blockchain 
and uh, these digital ledger technologies is that, and the smart contracts is that we don't have to call up the back offer. So you don't have to make a call as a risk manager and say, Hey, nobody can trade with burst bear Stearns. We're shutting them down. Nobody can, you know, there's too much counterparty risk. We're not trading with them. The smart contracts will just be able to say, you know, we can't even execute a trade with them unless we know there's X amount in their, their account. And then that's the future. I definitely agree with you. I think, um, especially if the volume can continue to pick up and those things can scale out. I mean, that's definitely, definitely going to be a, um, direct competitor to your Bittrexes and your Bitfinexes and Mm -hmm. even your GDAX exchanges. Yep. Because it's all just verified and powered by, by the blockchain. So, Mm-hmm. You know, why do you need to trust that central entity that they're saying and doing what they're saying and doing when the yeah. blockchain is just going to verify it? So, I mean, yeah. even even more so than just the trust things kind of obvious with everything. But then when you look at what some of these decentralized exchanges look to offer when it comes to like liquidity and just trading options in general, when I can't stand all these people like glued to their social feeds, like trying to figure out what Coinbase is going to add next. For instance, people are just <laughs> seeing screenshots. Alter- I mean, it just—it's ridiculous. Where <laughs> and a decentralized exchange can just list everything automatically. Oh, yeah. a new token on the market? Well, let's just list it. I mean, it's—it's it's automatic. Mm-hmm. Why? Why should these institutions have so much power? And then people are questioning insider trading. It's just—it's a whole mess that. Doesn't even need to be there. Yeah, yeah. we could solve that. The decentralized yeah. exchanges solve so much. Uh, uh, I mean, it's gonna take a while. I mean, there's is there's gonna be a, a blending process. Like right now, it makes sense that if you want to start trading futures, you go with someone. You know, if, let's say you're a retail person or independent. Like if you want to trade with Thinkorswim, you want to trade Bitcoin futures. It makes it makes sense. I mean. Mm-hmm. They're pretty trusted, you know. You you don't have to open up an account with a clearing firm. Or, I mean, there's going to be a process before the the old wall moves over to the blockchain on everything trading. Mm-hmm. So there's, but but now I look at it like if you want to hold gold or you want to hold silver, I mean, yeah, you kind of bury it in the old mattress per se, but. That's what you can do with crypto is I can hold it in my nano and not have to stick it inside a bank or, a, um, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, what's kind of cool too is where you, you're talking about these old, you know, the institutions, like you're saying, the brokerage firms. And it's not easy to start a brokerage firm. Like you need, you need a lot of capital. You need the, the liquidity. You need the market there. Yeah, with regulation. where I, I was doing research on the zero X, which I was writing a little bit about and what they're doing with solving liquidity problems for these exchanges, because decentralized exchanges, there's not a lot of liquidity on them yet. Mm-hmm. And even, even centralized exchanges, it's, it's hard to start one because of liquidity problems. But if what like zero X is doing, for instance, they're creating a whole base layer infrastructure for all these decentralized exchanges. So, and they can share order books. So you could, you know, put a buy on this, your favorite decentralized exchange and the other side of that order could be on another exchange. Mm -hmm. So the competition that can come up for traders specifically 
can benefit from uh, is, is just competition. You can start a decentralized exchange because you have a new idea or take on it and you could have instant liquidity for your traders. So mm -hmm. that barrier to entry, I mean, I, I'd prefer more competition. I wouldn't want to just stick with three of the major mm -hmm. exchanges, Coinbase, Binance, and Bittrex. Two of them are down and I can't trade. Right. Which has happened. Yeah. Happened happens way too much. One times too much. Do you think that like things are going to be so different for these institutional traders that they're never going to fully adopt it? Like, cause I think it's, it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, like you say, Jason, like everything has to be so regulated and so structured for them. And you're calling back offices and all, all kind. there's just processes that everybody's trained to follow. And then maybe even I'm just speculating, maybe even like having to take tests to get certified to follow. Mm -hmm. Does it, is it going to be so foreign to them? Like the things that Alec is talking about where he's like, you put an order on one exchange, but since it's built on a decentralized protocol, it gets filled on a different exchange. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like some of these processes might be way too foreign for, it's going to take the people that are bold enough to take a chance and learn something new to yeah. fully benefit from this, what's going to be just a wave of decentralized exchanges. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think uh, it is going to take a while for the, the older institutions, one, for what you said, because it's overwhelming. I mean, it's tough for kind of like what uh, Phil was saying, that, you know, it's tough for the lawyers to want to switch what they've been doing and they don't have time and they have these practices. And for them to go out to learn the blockchain, some of them is just like, no, I don't have the time. I don't. That they don't want to. And same with a lot of the institutional community. You're going to have traders that have been on desk for 15 years. Some of the, some of the older traders are, you know, they trade or they've been in the business 20 years. They're in management positions. They don't, they're not in front of the screens all the time. Those guys don't care to learn new market. But part of why I left um, fixed income side was I saw this change. I saw how miserable trade and fixed income was with rates at zero and the lack of risk taking. And then I saw how much capital was flying around in this space and I wanted to be a part of it. So the, the, the guys that want to make the switch, I think there's a lot of opportunity for them. But I think what you'll probably see is all the innovation will come in the cash market. So meaning, just for our listeners, so the, the cash market just is, the, um, is what you call when you're actually you know, buying and selling actual crypto, right? So you're taking dollars from into Coinbase, getting Bitcoin or Ethereum. Maybe you're transferring that to different exchanges and trading all coins. But you're actually trading cash for the coin. So that's different than the futures market, right? Where you're trading a comp of the cash or spot price, as they call it. Same thing in gold, right? You can you can trade the actual physical gold, or you could trade a futures, which is a derivative of the cash price. But so my point is that I think all the innovation on like what Alex talking about the decentralized exchanges, that's all going to come from, I think, the cash market. And then you'll have <clears throat> the older old Wall Street that's going to want to participate in the asset class of Bitcoin, but they're just going to stick to doing it through the futures. And I think there's a place for that. I think there's a place for big money that trade in the future side in CFTC. Um, but 
all the technology that starts to happen between doing trades on the blockchain, all that stuff's going to happen in the cash market. Um, and that's what we want to do with Rhythm too. Like right now, we've already started trading features, but we're doing that through the old the old route, you know, through mm-hmm. other old broker, old Wall Street brokers. And then we're setting up CTA ourselves so we could be a commodity trading advisor and do it the old way there also. Um, but then there's Rhythm, which is designed that same vision we had as the future is trading on the blockchain. The future is the computers talking to each other. And like we're just talking about, hey, you got the funds or you don't. You can only execute on the smart contract if that exists. And, you know, that's what we said, Alec, too, was that, hey, uh, peer-to-peer is great, but you're still going to have to bring buyers and sellers together, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't just say, well, I own a bunch of Bitcoin, and I want to I want to peer-to-peer sell that to someone. I don't even need an exchange. Well, what are you going to – what do you do? You, like, get on Twitter and start asking people if they want to they buy? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because you want to sell. I mean, you got to still have to bring those people together in some fashion. And it sounds like you know, Zero X is doing a good job. Right? Mm-hmm. So that was a lo- pretty long winded. It's, it's good to discuss those things, though, because with all this, everything seems like uh, it, it has to be conversed a lot in order to make sense sometimes in this blockchain, everything moves so quickly. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta kind of talk through how this stuff's supposed to work. And a lot of, I think it's good for the people that are new to this space to understand mm-hmm. and to dig, dig a little deeper like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's going to get interesting to see how everything blends. I mean, we don't really have, we have very hardly any futures trading going on. We have no options on any of our crypto markets for the most part, unless you're over at, um, mm. what's the name of that firm guys? Uh, um, something X ledger. I ledger think. X, I think. Yeah. How'd you but feel you- about, um, CBOE trying to put some pressure on the, I think is the sec like, Hey, we need a Bitcoin ETF. And, uh, I saw that headline. I didn't get to dig into it. I yeah, neither did I. I was, I was hoping one of you guys did. I was really, I was thinking that'd be good to discuss. I didn't didn't think to. Uh, well, I think research it over the weekend. I think there's going to be more firms doing that because it's big business. So they're going to be like, "What are we waiting for?" You know, this this is like I've talked about before. Um people that worked on the, the original spider and the original GLD ETF. I mean, they're saying how just crazy it is to get approved to do an ETF like six, seven years on some of the really longer ones. I mean, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that you need to be, that there's no reason for that from the regulators. That's just like, that's crazy. I mean, the technology is changing so quickly. Yeah. Six, seven years. That's a long time. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit absurd. I, th- I wouldn't be surprised at ETFs here by end of 2018. I don't see why it should take. We're here in April. Um, they just, they're probably just needed the futures trading for a little bit longer, um, have some good, some good roles and some settlements mm-hmm. and make sure it's smooth and just get their ducks in a row is my guess. That's yeah. big business. 
takes them forever to do anything, but I guess that's just the way it is. I don't know. That's so. probably a that's probably a good catalyst for the market, though. You know, the, it would the regulations be. taking us down. I keep saying the regulations are going to be the next really big catalyst and take us to new highs. Is that once this institutional spigot starts to get turned on? But if we start get that ETFs approved, that's another step in the right direction. Now you can start to see even more money pour into the asset space, which creates even more interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well, positive. So yesterday, um, just to change the topic a little bit, it could be an April Fool's joke. It couldn't be. No one's too sure, but Vitalik proposed a cap on the Ether. At somewhere near 120 million ether, and I don't know if it's an April Fool's joke or not. If it is, then I guess I'm fooled. <laughs> but I don't know. I thought it'd be a good idea. Um, is, is this supposed to be bullish? Um, I so I would say it's bullish. The market didn't do anything on it. Then you got yeah. That's why. That's why I, I think you're right, Alec. It could be April Fool's joke. You know, I mean, it, it probably really doesn't even matter because he might have said it in an April Fool's kind of jest, but it's still a conversation that probably needs to be had, right? I mean, I don't know where the conversation is right now, but I mean, that's something that's been talked about for a while, and I'd love to hear the community's take on it and developers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it'd be a good idea, just my opinion, just because... Most of these cryptos that have that cap perform the best. I think the incentives are aligned. I think if there's supposed to be an infinite amount of ether, like if we could just keep making ether and keep making ether, then its inflation rate is always higher. Yeah. And the ether that you own always end up being less every time new ether is created. So yeah, end up being worth less. So. I think it's good. 120 million is like what? That's like five times. No, it's like six times the cap is Bitcoin almost. A little less than six times. So, it still seems probably small though. If you consider, if we want to talk in terms of, oh, geez, what is like Ethereum going to be a huge part of the the new internet? I mean, mm-hmm. wow, not just the amount of currency circulating within small small countries is a lot more than 120 million yeah that's that's what i think the big pushback on bitcoin is too because it's only 21 million it's capped at 21 million so people are like that's that's not nearly enough for commerce not knowing that you can take it down to the million decimal point but then things get weird with the math not really natural you know Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I think I think it'd be a good idea. That's just my vote. My my D vote is that a cap on either would be great. I think it'd be a good idea. What's the what's the pro for? I mean, the, why would people say no? We we don't want to cap it. Uh, just because of the way things are nowadays, I think with all the quantitative easing and you need some sort of, you need to have a mechanism to introduce more currency in. To, to like ease uh, ease the economy, I'm guessing. Like that's what quantitative easing is all about. Well, is it? does the network 
you guys know this stuff better than I do. Is the network slow if everybody is holding their ether and people need to build on top of it and these developers need to do stuff and say say 70% of the ether out there is gobbled up by um, yeah. investors or speculators or you know Wall Street, for example. Mm-hmm. Does that it jam can. up the network? It can. That was a strong argument last year, towards the end of last year, with the network fees in Bitcoin, is that the people needing it to build with couldn't build anymore because the cost to do a minimum transaction was so high. Like it was just stuck. The network was just officially stuck. So there is that aspect of it. Yes. I think, I think I just see the market. If you, if we want a coin, that's a store of value cap it, right? That's obvious. If you need something that like for Ethereum, that's going to have hold its value obviously, but we got to use it for a lot of transactions and not so sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deflationary. I don't, I don't know. I'm not an economist, but it doesn't seem sustainable with if, if it does, if Ethereum does want to become the world computer, it's a lot of people using it. It's a lot of Ethereum that needs to be used. Mm-hmm. Because, because I see a parallel there, which is, this is true in economics is, um, and I'm not so sure that, Maybe some of the Bitcoin community understands all this exactly, but when you, like if you take a country, for example, it's very deflationary if you have your population growing and growing and growing and your money supply doesn't keep up with that population. It's massively deflationary. Um, so you, so the idea of printing money is okay. We actually don't do that in the U.S. We everybody throws that term around, but we actually borrow, which is even worse. So we're printing bonds, which then pays out. We have to pay interest on that. And which like, for example, China owns most of our debt. So we borrowing, putting debt on our children, ramping up the interest expense. And then all that cash flows out to China. It doesn't even stay in the U S to stimulate. It's just the whole, the whole thing is broken. We'd be actually better off printing, but the printing is not the issue. It's controlling the government. Cause even when, Gold was, you know, even when we had different monetary systems and we were, gold was pegged to the dollar, it doesn't stop Congress from printing and printing and printing and borrowing and borrowing. And, then exa- and eventually they had to break with the gold standard because – so the, the real issue is always more with uh, the government side and the government borrowing. But that that's the example that you you got to have the currency keep pace with your, uh, your economy your group of people otherwise it is actually gets to a point where it's deflationary so you could kind of maybe make that same analogy mm-hmm. with you got a network that's just exploding users and apps and people using it and computers using it um yeah you know mm-hmm. it might be I mean, too deflationary and it doesn't mean the price would go down it just means like the velocity of money would collapse to where it's deflation deflationary yeah. in the sense of growth yeah, and I think as soon as you put that, it, I think as soon as you put that cap, people view it as deflationary because it is. And I don't know personally, I'd be I'd be thinking, well, why would I spend it right now when tomorrow it could be worth more? So if I think that, I think other people think that, and I think it just I, I think it would just slow the entire system, just it, the growth of it. I mean, mm-hmm. if if one person says I'm going to hold on to it now because it'll be worth more tomorrow. That's one less person spending their Ethereum and growing the world computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
so as soon as that, as soon as that, like the speed of that, I mean, more people go. I mean, the adoption rate starts going a little slower, slower, slower. Well, uh, and, and that's the that's you basically just define the velocity. Exactly. Yeah. Crypto or velocity of ether there. Yeah, of their of their world computer, whatever, however fast it's growing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good conversation, I think, to have. I think, I mean, it needs yeah. to be had. I think market wise, if it if there was a more of a deflationary aspect to ether, I don't think it would hurt price long term. Honestly, um, I I like the original plan, which was like to have like an ice age, like only so much ether was going to be mined, and then there was going to be a long ice age where no new ether was created, and then it would spark up again. I kind of hmm. like that. I think that was the original plan of things, which is why I think it even goes more to say that this is probably April Fool's. Uh, Alec, because it's kind of against the original Ether roadmap. But mm-hmm. um, I think that that Ice Age strategy is pretty good because you introduce like a whole bunch. It's inflation. It's inflation. Inflationary. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Inflation. Deflation. Yeah. And then it becomes deflationary after this Ice Age. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know. Maybe we should let the people in our like trade group speak on it. If you listen to this episode and you think yes, ether should be capped, then just let us know. Be like, yeah, I think it'd be a good idea. Ether should be capped. If not, then let us know as well. I mean, we're always hanging out in that river chat, so speak on it. Or, or I mean, this episode's going kind of long already, but who gets to make that decision? I thought we were supposed to come to some sort of agreements on consensus. I mean, exactly. I think that's why he introduced the question is to get to kind of test the waters and how the conversation. I mean, it's Ethereum is yeah. kind of interesting. Unlike Bitcoin, I think it, Ethereum's kind of got a figurehead. So kind yeah. of steering the conversation and what the community should decide next. Yeah, yeah it's got to come to consensus. Yeah. Um. Like- I don't keep up with those metrics on what's consensus or if it's got to have X amount of coin to get X amount of votes. I think it's, I think it's hard to judge. I it think is hard to judge. There's so many different, different sides of it. Everyone fighting for what they think and who really controls what and who controls sense consensus. Yeah. That's why Bitcoin's so slow. It's Cause I think it needs 90% consensus. Yeah. After a hundred, after a thousand four hundred forty blocks or something like that, so it's like, mm, that's yeah. tough. Ninety percent consensus on anything, yeah, is is Espe- really tough, especially without some sort of figurehead. And yeah. you know, there's no one that everyone points to. Well, what should we be talking about next, or what does he think? You know, I, it could be good or bad. I think it could be taken both ways. That's how Ethereum moves so quickly. But again, it, mm-hmm. it moves quickly, so. Well, we are going a little long. Um, any other things you guys wanted to talk about, or should we just kind of bring up the quick movement of the majors and then wrap up? Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, we can, <clears throat> we can. I think later this week we'll get some better price action. We can talk more markets and see what what opportunities are out there. Um, or you know, come join us in our chat room. Uh, we're answering questions in there. We're getting level specific. Uh, talking about ideas we like, long and short, 
different mm-hmm. durations, you know, guys, guys and gals in their day trading. We got longer term ideas. And the best way to join that, JenkinsRM.com, chat room on the top right. It's free to come on in. Um, we have some of our educational uh, services there as well. I think that's it. The distributed post, I think, was something big that we've been focused on. So Yeah, yeah, we're really trying to build that uh, following with contributors, with listeners, with everything, really. So be, uh, be sure to search for it on Twitter, the handle. Yes. Distributed post. At the dis- go ahead. Distri- no, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, if you do want to contribute, you can DM Alec or I in the river chat, and uh, we'll take you through that process and get you able to write and research and contribute articles to the distributed post. Um, but go ahead, Alec, I kind of interrupted you. No, I just wanted to harp on, give us a follow. Yeah. Follow up. Um, well, what about, so we've had a lot of growth in our general chat and, uh, it was just correlating to growth in the crypto team chat. Um, but JJ, you want to outline the difference between the two and why, if you're in the general chat, it might be a good push to get into the crypto team chat. Yeah. So, you know, we wanted to make it free to just get involved with us. Um, the, our, our kind of our trading talk room is just, I'm talking about S and P's once in a while or talking about GDP or growth or inflation or, um, just markets in general. But then we have a crypto team that's specifically designed for people that are in there trading crypto, that we have a real-time alerts product. We have analysis we're putting in there. We're, I mean, I shot probably 20, 30 minutes of video for the team this morning, just covering all the different pivot and break points and where we want to add and where's the risk and what we're looking for next. So that's that's the uh, paid room. It's only 99 bucks. So, I mean, oh, that's more than my cable bill. I think that room can... <laughs> all right that's, that's all i that's how i look at it well for for slightly more than your, do you say more than your cable bill or less than yeah your? maybe i'm at 126 a month i don't know what are so you guys i'm i'm probably maybe. right there i'm like yeah. 115 somewhere in there so yeah. less than a cable bill you get more than a cable bill's value because yeah. there's like hundreds of channels i don't even watch so yeah. there you go <laughs> well we can wrap it up alright guys good episode gents we'll talk to everybody later this week alright so guys the easiest way to get involved in our community of traders and what we're doing in markets um, really on a global macro perspective is go to JenkinsRM.com we have on the top right a link chat room it's free to join that area you come in ask us questions you see what our community is all about we've got a couple paid rooms in there our crypto team is in there for 99 bucks a month it's probably one of the best real-time alert signals across the entire digital asset space and then as far as, as far as just the value that all the the other uh paying subscribers in there brings it's uh, it more than pays for itself so that's available you can also see Again, JenkinsRM.com, the top right, we have some of our educational services. Um, 10 years of my institutional model that I built out on uh, trading cash treasuries. Uh, that whole nine hours video on demand, 
teach you everything, three pillars of our model covers analysis, risk, execution. We talked risk management, position sizing, trading plan, psychology of trading. Um, that's all there. And then we also have some information on, on some of our group coaching and mentoring we do. We have a live room that we trade together uh, two days a week. Um, nothing like being in the trades together live, uh, making some money together, but also really learning um, everything, the emotions that are involved with being inside of trades and all the growth that comes from that. So all that's there, JenkinsRM.com. You guys can follow us at my uh, Twitter handle, at the Jason Jenkins. And you can also search Jason Jenkins on YouTube. That'll get us to our Block Edge Capital um, YouTube channel. Thank <laughs> you.